Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Hello. This is the Jack and Baron Show. I am Jack. I'm Baron. And we are sitting down here at the foothills of Indian Falls Way on Hickman Creek in the cabin, which is named... 221B Baker Street. I don't know if you saw that on the outside. There actually is it. I did not see that actually, but this is this, this does feel like the kind of place that yeah you know, they would do something like this at. This is the brownstone, as it were. Yeah. Uh, we are eight feet apart, by the way. Yes, we are. We are socially distanced. Seven and a half. So this is uh this is the cabin that I've I've, I've built down here for such just such events. I've been waiting for years to have these kind of meetings and talks down here and hopefully when the cabin gets finished this summer we'll have more in the summer and the fall once this COVID thing uh, decides to dissipate but uh, how, how are you doing with all this man how am I doing with uh, the, the COVID and separation most days I'm okay most days I'm okay with it because my business hasn't really been affected by it a whole lot yet. I'm getting pretty frustrated, honestly. I'm yeah. getting frustrated with it. I won't air out my, my, all my frustrations here. But one of the things that I think about a lot is I think about all of my the, the millennials and the younger generation who have come up and have told me how amazing socialism is and all the great things for it, and I simply go, this is voluntary socialism in a sense where all of the industry is, most industry is being dictated by government. You're only allowed to buy certain things, you have certain hours you can go in, there's certain lines, certain restrictions. I feel like shopping-wise, I'm in some third-world countries where things are being, like, I can't, I can't walk forward two feet because... There's a restriction there that's put on me by the government that I can't get closer than that, and it just—it's yeah. a thing going in my head over and over again. It's like this is what a socialistic America would look like. There, there is there is a legitimate question of what stays in the aftermath of all of this. You know, yeah, I, I, I'm an advocate of of what some are considering an overreach. Uh, we could dialogue about that, you know, but yeah. But there is that there is that question, and I do see a lot of people that are even more along the the liberal you know side, the, the Democrat, or even in the quasi socialist world right now that are asking that question of like you know where where does this end? You know, do we ever pull back from some of this or not? So I get I get the I get the I get the frustration because it's there because usually when you go to another country, so we lived in England for a year and. You couldn't go to any restaurants when you wanted to. There were certain things you couldn't buy all the time. And when we got back to America, it was like, oh, finally. 
I can go shop when I want to, I can buy what I want to type thing. And so it was just not saying that Britain is socialist, but there are much more restrictions. Their, their culture is much more restrictive on the average person um, buying things. Now, one of my, one of my, uh, one of my thoughts on that is, one of my theories is, they're subjects. They're subjects to the crown. Right. Uh, they are still subjects. They don't have a bill of rights. They don't have a constitution like Dejour, like, at least you know. Yeah, yeah. So they have a parliamentary system, but they also have the Magna Carta, but they also have uh, judiciary uh, uh, case law is right. the main thing that they bring. So they have all these restrictions, and so it was just really awesome to come back to America and just go. If I if I want a cheeseburger at two o'clock in the morning, I can find a cheeseburger somewhere at two o'clock in the morning. Um, over there, if you were on the wrong side of town and it was time to eat, you you, you didn't eat. Yeah. And it was like you had to really schedule out your day. And I liked the the freedom in America just to go, hey, I can get this when I want. There there is a difference. Somebody somebody mentioned it uh, to me here a few days ago about the difference between how some countries that that also you know are on the democracy spectrum, the freedom spectrum, liberation um, have even had their own revolutions. You know, through the course of history, but. They've said, you know, that that one of the big distinctions between America and some of these other countries is that some will equate freedom as freedom from, mm-hmm. and um, America, one of our distinctive things is that we equate freedom with freedom to. And so that's why there may be a slight difference. We'll use the same language. Yeah. So there you run the, the danger of equivocation, right? Yeah. yeah. Of course, we talk about... Liberty and freedom and stuff like that, and I think that's I think that's one of the things that's kind of driving some of the discrepancies and the frustrations that that we have right now, where we almost feel like there's double talk going on. Um, but it seems like there are there's a good swath of of the uh, of, of the United States that's focused on freedom from and freedom to. Oh, I absolutely and agree with that. That's just here, you know. Uh, I was also very struck in England at the, the the public's adoration for their politicians. They they actually they actually think that their government is like the greatest thing in the world. Where there's like, oh, our government will take care of this for us. Uh, I, yeah, our government will take care of that for us. Whereas in America, we have in our crust encrusted and encoded our DNA. I don't trust you. We don't trust the government <laughs> from the very beginning. We don't trust the government, and that's the negative negative set of liberties we have in the in the Bill of Rights. Is right. it's not a restriction. So what I see in most of the world is that the government restricts what people can do to benefit the population. In America, our constitution restricts what the government can do. For the for the betterment of the population, so I think that is a, is a big distinction in most of the government. So most people don't realize that, oh, you like in Canada right now, you can't mis, misuse pronouns because there's a, there was a law put out that says if you misuse a pronoun, you can be your your libel can be sued for that. But in America, we have freedom of speech because it's not restrictive. You, the government cannot make a law that restricts speech. Huh? What what kind of pronouns? What are you? Oh, it's the it's the transgender pronouns. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So if you don't, if somebody says they want to be called Z, and you call them he right. repeatedly, and they think it's you're 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 out to cause them suffering, then they can they can sue you for for misusing your pronouns. Yeah. But in, in America, it's like no, we it's 
you cannot restrict language like that. Yeah. And so, those are some of the things. Those are the things for me because I am a constitutionalist conservative to the core. I bleed George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Federalist Papers. You know, that's uh, I'm just hardcore small government guy. This, this is what makes us a good duo. <laughs> is we we will. I I'm probably somewhere on that spectrum of not not socialist, but respecting socialist ish. Program, You're Hamilton, right? right? So I look at <laughs> Medicaid, right, and uh-huh. Medicare and public transport and you know certain things like that, and and I do think that those things are you know I mean public transportation. You think about jumping on the bus, right? Right. That is technically a socialist program, right? Uh, and so I mean these things can these things you can see them in different ways. Medicaid mm-hmm. right now, you know, Medicare for elder folks, social security, you know, all of these are kind of socialistic-ish programs. So I think it's interesting. Well, I think we'll, we'll especially over the yeah. course of this next year as we get into election, um, yeah. we'll kind of decipher some of that out and break some of that down. But I think that's what makes one of the things, like, you and I, we're not always, like, you know, lockstep and key we're in terms exactly. of the exact same thought. And I think that's important, especially for Christians, right? Yeah. Is that we respect the fact that, like, not everybody has to look alike, even when it comes to, like, how we deal with apologetics and C.S. Mm-hmm. Lewis and philosophy and theology, is that we can differ and yet at the same point, like, still do a fun yeah. together. Still sit down across from the table. Well, I, I think what you and I have is what most people don't have, and I think maybe maybe apologetics set this up for both you and I, is that we both are pretty comfortable in what we believe, because we've torn it apart and put it back together, and we've said, okay, I can't find a glaring incongruity in what I believe in, what I believe religiously, what I believe socially. I'm pretty confident in what I believe, so I'm going to present it with my confidence, and if someone can push back, I can also willingly go, huh, I hadn't considered that, let me consider it. Yeah. Instead of going, because you and I aren't worried about certainty, we're not worried about comfort, we're worried about truth. Right. We, we search for truth. And so when someone pushes back and offers something that could help us get closer to truth, you and I are I think, very willing to go, huh, let me put that into my worldview and see how it, how it lands. And do I, do I accept this or do I reject it? We don't immediately reject it because it doesn't fit in our, our worldview. We test it. Right. And so when you present me with an idea, I go, hmm, okay, let me look at it. Let me pull it apart. Let me insert it into my worldview. Now it doesn't work there. Let's pull it over. Okay, it doesn't work. Oh, you know what? Actually, I think I could fit it here, you know? You know, do you know what I figured out was, you know, especially coming from that, that tradition of just incorrigibility and certainty and so forth, mm-hmm. you know, that, that really, what a Cartesian kind of uh, process, right? The difference between that and the, and the real search for truth is that when you encounter a disagreement, do you feel offended by it, or do yeah. you feel curious about it? Right. Right. And I think you have, when you are after certainty, you become offended by the fact that somebody disagrees with you. When you're after truth, you want to ask questions, you want to search, because there is that, that question inside of you that's, where are you at on that spectrum of truth, right? Is that it does always, it's always moving forward. Yeah. Right? With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You should always be moving forward, and you've never arrived, right? You never arrive until you finally arrived. Right, we're constantly distilling down our epistemologies and, and trying to... My, my, my feeling is I have an epistemology based on sensory perceptions, based on knowledge, history, all the knowledge bases I can pull together. I've created this worldview, this epistemology of how I perceive the world to be. And I think Lewis does this so well. An, abolish, an abolition of man, he posits, no matter what epistemology you come from, if you have a thriving society, if you have a philosophy that's worth listening to, then you believe in, a, in objective morality. Yeah. Okay, epistemologically, objective morality exists if you have a thriving society. However, to figure out which of the epistemologies actually gets closer to truth is you have to anchor it into an ontology. There has to be some ontological truths that you're, you're, you're nailing and you're anchoring your epistemologies into. And the more ontology you can nail your epistemology into, the closer you're getting to truth. So if someone presents me with something that ontologically differs from me, but I see it as more solid than my thing, I will absolutely cut bait and anchor to the new ontology. Because, like you said, I'm not interested. A thought is not amazing because I have it. A thought is amazing if it gets me closer to truth. And I don't care that it wasn't my thought. I'm I'm not married to my thoughts. If you can prove me wrong, try it, because I want to be proven wrong, because that means that I've just made a step closer to truth. Anybody that's married knows that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Do not fall in love with your own ideas. Yes. Because it will be taken apart. <laughs> uh, my wife is so amazing at tearing apart ideas that I have put in my head, okay, I'm going to say this, 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 this. Okay, here's my proposition, here are my five points, <laughs> here's my conclusion, and I hand it to her. And in 30 seconds, she annihilates it into her. I'm like, is it, that was stupid. Why isn't that even... <laughs> something that, as a philosopher-ish yeah. intellectual, you, the, the fact that you can be undermined so quickly oh, man. <laughs> by a spouse, that is a... Uh... That, that goes to show that we are all still on this road. Right? We, we all have our prejudice and, and, our, and our perceptions. So that's what I say. If, so when someone presents me with their philosophy, if I can dismantle their philosophy, defang it with two questions, then I realize it's not a philosophy worth me dealing with. Those two questions for me are, says who, and why should I believe you? If the person presenting their idea cannot answer those two questions with confidence and actually give me something to chew on, then I realize that their philosophy probably is lacking. So when someone, because what we have nowadays, especially with COVID, of course everybody's a COVID expert, and people present their opinions all the time as fact. They use definitive words like is, was, were, am. And when someone presents me with, well... Donald Trump is, Nancy Pelosi is, Andy Bashir is. Those are definitive statements that you have to have propositional proof for in order to prove. And so I simply ask the question, says who? And if they say, well, I do, and I simply say, well, why should I believe you? Usually those two questions will dismantle any argument down to where people who are brash with their opinions and antagonistic to become a little bit humbled and go, oh, Wait, you're asking me to have proof for my opinions? 
I can't just have an opinion. You actually have to, I have to be responsible for my opinion. And usually after those two questions, whatever conversation I'm having with someone goes swimmingly, and we have a great conversation after that. Once they realize that they're not going to place me in a indefensible position where I'll be playing catch-up the whole time. Right. Like, I refuse to accept your proposition about me or what I believe if it's a straw man. We will not have that conversation. I will, I will back you up and back you down until we get into a level playing field, and then we'll have a conversation. But I don't take offense if you try to do that. If you try to give me a straw man, that's fine, because I recognizing, oh, okay, this, this person's misrepresenting my views and saying, no, I actually believe this. Or, what do you mean about God? Or, what do you, how do you define atheism? You know, and so you begin to pull those things apart. But you and I, why we get along so well is because we have been, we have become conversationalists. Uh, yeah. And we're not afraid to be wrong. And I think those are two big things. You and I, uh, losing the fear of being wrong uh, allows you to enjoy company that you otherwise would not. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a lesson. It should be a lesson for us all, right? You and I both probably agree. I think you've said it and I've said it that honestly, everything that we, most things that we used to believe in, all of a sudden we realize like we, we know nothing that we used oh, to think that we used to know, you know? And that is a, it's a sign of just growth and it's a sign of the journey. And, you know, to, to be honest, like we're probably going to be 20 years from now <laughs> and realizing like what we thought in 2020 oh, was completely wrong. I hope. Know? And, uh, and some stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that that's, that's where people should, should, you know, honestly, like seek to be is to recognize like what you believe now what you accept now could be turned on its head at some point in time. Now, it doesn't mean that you, you don't lack, you know, you don't have certain foundations, right? Mm -hmm. But there is that term foundationalism, you know, and that's basically the idea of incorrigibility and certainty and, and, you know, you, you can't be wrong and everything Mm -hmm. is, it's fun. It's fundamentalism, you know, fundamentalist epistemology, which just never allows you to grow. You know. It basically says, if you disagree with this, you need to you need to change your views to match this. But that's what makes conversation possible rather than offense, because you're recognizing even in the midst of the conversation that there is possibility that you yeah. are incorrect, right? Rather than frustration or anger or offense, because that's fear. You're afraid yes. to be wrong. Mm-hmm. You're afraid to honestly look at yourself in the mirror and say, I don't know what I'm talking about. And, but yet that's where, that's where the breakthrough happens. Mm-hmm. Just like a marriage. <laughs> of course, you know, yeah. being able to say I'm wrong provides growth for the marriage and strength for the marriage rather than sticking to your guns and saying, you know, like, I'm, I'm dead right she's going to agree with me or he's going to agree with me at the end of the day like that that can provide a lot of disruption you know absolutely and it's not to say that there's never moments just like even in marriage where you need to hold a certain ground um, but you have to have that flexibility and, I, and that's what that's what I really respect about you because you know I have lost a lot of respect for 
apologetics. Right. And Ivan wrote, I don't, you know, anybody that searches Randy <laughs> Hardman apologetics is going to probably come across some articles where, you know, I think they're, you know, entitled things like, you know, the former apologist or, you know, why I disagree with apologetics and so forth. And yet, so it's kind of come, you know, through that particular pendulum swing into more of like a, a central perspective. I'm realizing that the conversational partners that are worth having the conversation with, right? Um, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Like, like I kind of did, but, you know, I think happened po- probably on the other side of the pendulum as well. Right. But have that flexibility to challenge and, and to, to challenge you, and but also are willing to receive challenge. Yeah. And it doesn't bother me that you used to be an apologist and, and had those, and those feelings now. Um, because what I learned to do through apologetics was I learned how to ask better questions. Yeah. And as long, and as the more I distill down my epistemology, the questions I'm asking are more refined, they're more specific, and, and I'm gaining more comfort in being uncomfortable. What, what, what would you say are the questions that you've learned to ask best? Um, some of the questions that I've learned to ask, one is, is perspective. Is, is going, uh, and this is a question I've always asked, but this, it, the, this question is so poignant, but the deeper I get into my, my worldviews, what I realize is, I have a bevy, I have a plethora, a slew behind me of these former philosophies. So one of the questions that I, that I pose to myself all the time is, how am I wrong in this? Or how, where it, where's the trap door? Where's, where's, where's the thing that, that, what did I miss? So I have, I, have this, I have this epistemology, I have all my ideas wrapped up, here's my worldview, then I take a step back and go, what did I miss? Yeah. Um, who is God? What, what is his purpose? What is his plan? What is the purpose for us being here? One of the questions that I asked early on in the last few years that really just revolutionized my, my epistemology was, what is our purpose? Because growing up, I heard your purpose was, well, your purpose was to praise God and to go to heaven and live with him for eternity. And I go, okay, that's nice. And that answers some questions. But God was omniscient. He was completely self-reliant in that co-eternal relationship, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in this eternal trinity. Uh, He didn't need us. Well, and, you know, on that question, like, I think almost everybody universally feels like that's an unsatisfactory answer to that question. You know, maybe there's a small section that are right. You know, find it satisfactory, but but I think most people when they kind of hear that just feel like that's not the the story. And if we take if we take Lewis's whole argument about needing to be fed, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so therefore there you know there's food and, and thirst and there you know. And With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So this idea of, you know, so there's, a, there's something to attain and that we're built for that. The fact that that question doesn't actually resonate with the vast majority of humanity yeah. when it comes to this question of purpose probably means that that's a poor answer. It was, and I, that was an answer from my childhood that still, I had never, I'd never really dealt with it. So I'd never really wrestled with it, and I go, okay. So another question that I've been wrestling a lot with is, what is consciousness, and what, what, are, what are its capacities? And just, what is, like, again, so it gives it another purpose. Again, what's the purpose of consciousness? Is, what is free, what, is, what truly is free will? So I started wrestling with these questions more, and I think, as you begin to get a handle on a few questions, so I was a former atheist. Right. So my, my thing was, I went from not being religious to being a, in a religious cult to being an atheist to being a, a mere Christian. <laughs> well, that's where, where I consider myself now. <laughs> that's, a, that's a pretty streamlined... I've known a lot of people that have gone through that whole yeah. transition. Yeah. Exactly that. And so you go, okay, so I've I asked a bunch of questions. So I think now I'm at the point where I've begun to study. I've challenged myself. I've challenged all of my epistemologies. And I've challenged all these philosophies in my life. And uh, Lewis says that good philosophy needs to exist if there were no other reason than to answer bad philosophy. Yeah. And so all these questions that I've had in my life, uh, the more certain I wrestle out something and I go, well, Trinity. Is it modalism or is it Trinitarianism? And then suddenly I get to the point where I go, okay, I'm pretty comfortable with Trinitarianism right now. I think that answers the questions I need for right now. Now, that brings up some, some different questions. What about purpose, teleology? Okay, let's, let's wrestle with that for a minute. What does my consciousness have to do with this? How did I become conscious? Substance dualism. Let's, let's, let's wrestle with that for a minute. You know, and so each time I wrestle with something, I get it to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm comfortable with this now. Something else that I've not dealt with before just kind of effervesces to the top, and I go, ooh, let's wrestle with that for a minute. And then I try to see how they all line up in, you know, into some sort of linear uh, philosophical underpinning. Um, and then something doesn't, doesn't, something doesn't line up, and I go, oh, let's see, let's see what's wrong. Let's tweak this over here. And then talking to people like yourself, and then reading... Uh, just going to Oxford and being challenged by so many different types of philosophies and people yeah. uh, just really uh, opened me up uh, to go, I'm willing to be wrong. Just, yeah. give, me, just give me some proof, man. Because here's the thing. If God is omniscient, and we say that he is, the, the very fact, the definition of God means he's omniscient, he's, he's omnipresent. And so even when we get to heaven, Lewis talks about there will only be answers, but we won't be omniscient, and so we'll still continue to. There's still he's his, the depths of him are inexhaustible to be plumbed. So why would I think down here on this earth I would ever come to the solid realization of who he is? Transposition, right? There's no way my words right now, my epistemology right now, is ever going to encapsulate the entirety of God. Well, if that's true then there is, there is an infinite amount of knowledge about him that I don't understand yet, and so I don't have to be satisfied. I can continue to push and push and push and push the envelope to learn and to go deeper, further up and further in every day. 
And so that excites me. When someone brings me with a new proposition, I'm going, oh, great, let's see. What does this have for me? Yeah. Type thing. And so I'm just hungering and thirsting for, for that. Point of conversation should be, you know, conversation between the two of us, for example, or spouse or, you know, whoever it is. I mean, even a, a, even a, a teacher should be to instill a conversation within yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think if you walk away from conversations feeling defeated or victorious yes. in those conversations, you've missed the whole point of the mm-hmm. conversation. You should walk away having a conversation with yourself. I think that's the true. I mean, that's that's where I respect people who honestly arrive at very different conclusions than me, and yet, you know, have pursued the journey in with integrity. You know, wow. and that's 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 something that you know, even Lewis I think respected. Right, his last book, The Last Battle. Right. And a lot of people, evangelicals, kind of give him some flack because of his his kind of pluralism that he kind of adopted that towards the end of it, right? But he really respected the fact that people could wind up potentially at the wrong places, but have pursued the journey with integrity, with heart, with the best of what they yeah. had to give. And, you know, it does leave open this question of, anonymous Christian, right? Do we have these people that stumble upon Jesus yet by a different name, right? You know, and um, you know? I, I think so. That's, that's a big question, right? Uh, I've met people that, I, that I'm around and going, they smell like a Christian, they talk like a Christian, I've watched their lives, they live their lives like a Christian, they don't say the name Jesus, they say the they say universe or they say whatever, but they've gone through some some repentance in their life, some some some, some penitent stuff, and they're walking with humility. They're searching for truth, and for those so for those people, anytime I meet someone and they are like they're 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 misguided right now in some of their things, and you're like, oh, how do you know they're misguided? They're in some philosophies that are uh, logically incongruent. They're they're incoherent, and so you can see them. They 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 believe two things that are that are contradictory. I don't worry about people that are searching for truth that have contradictory views, because if you search for truth, you'll find it. I worry about people who are like, it's impossible for me to be wrong. I because I have because I believe this certain thing, therefore I am sol- I am certain. And so when I meet people, and they're saying, oh, you know, I'm a Christian Buddhist, and they're searching for truth. Or they're like, you know, I've met some, some people in, uh, in, in, in Hawaii, and didn't say she was a Christian. Every aspect of her life, if you, if you just took the titles off, and you put her life against anybody's life that you know that's a, it's a, it's a God-fearing Christian, you could not tell them apart. Yeah. The only thing she didn't do was say Jesus. And I look at that and go, I, I don't know, Matthew 7, right? We said, Lord, Lord, you know, we, we did all these things in your name. And he's like, I never knew you, depart from me. And the other people are like, God, when did we do these things? I don't, I don't remember doing this for you. And he's like, when you did to the least of these, you did it to me. Which I think Lewis is pointing Aslan's uh, to, uh, to Emirate. Emirate. Uh, uh, Emirate? Emirate? Emeth. 
Is that his name? The the the, the uh, from the last battle. From the last battle. The Emoth, I think, is his name. Okay. Uh, but he's the guy who gets into heaven, and he's like, "Wait, I'm not supposed to be in real Narnia. I've I've worshipped Tash my whole life. I'm, right. I'm a, a Tash worshiper." And, and Aslan says, "The attributes and virtues you had don't belong to Tash." So he couldn't accept those even if he wanted to because those aren't of him. Those right. are of me. And so when you do these things, it says worship to me. Right. And so I go, huh, he makes a valid point. It's a big question, man. And yeah. I mean, I think that's, again, it's just one of those things where we have to kind of, we have to let be be, you know? Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that we don't hold opinions and perspectives on this. Uh, there, is, there is the question of, you know, being saved through through Christ, you know, but even that verse, I think it's in Philippians, that says, you know, specifically says that people often point to that as, you know, uh, you know, salvation through Christ. You know, is that question of does that mean through or does that mean through? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and there is that amb- ambiguity even in the Greek. You know, there's that ambiguity of what that means, and I think it's just a point that, you know, listen, like if if I would. You know, in conversations with people that disagree with us, right? The question should not be, "Are they wrong and am I right?" But are we walking the same path together? Right. You know, and even when it comes to things like contradictions, like you said, when we recognize you do and I do, and almost everybody else that I believe in, except for my wife, have self-contradictory. <laughs> Position right. <laughs> somewhere in their thought, yeah, it brings down the playing field of yeah. that. You know, is that we're all wrong on a lot of things. <laughs> we are so. And if if God is such that He splits hairs alongside of that, God help us because we're all doomed. You know, that that is my that is my feeling is because we have this. We are so limited. You know, I I think. So let's say we go Old Earth creationists and the existence is, what, 14 billion years old. They say let's go down the line that humans have been around for several hundred, you know, 100 million years or whatever. Um, our 70 years is, is not even a blip on the radar that we're here in existence. And the fact that we don't even get our prefrontal cortex fully developed until we're in our 20s and if we're lucky, we can keep it until our 70s and 80s. So we have about 50 years where we actually can engage our consciousness full if we have a good diet, we're healthy, our hormones are on track. We're not uh, depressed. We're not depressed. We don't, we're not dealing with social isolation. Yeah, not social So if you look at actually what aspects we have to actually engage our consciousness fully to, to even wrestle these things out, we're, we're getting to a point where you may have 10 or 20 years where you can actually try to understand the entirety of the universe and your purpose and your teleological reason for you being here. I couldn't imagine a, a omniscient God looking and saying, oh, for that 20 years, you didn't do it right. You screwed it up, man. I'm sorry. It's, it's over. Um, now, I'm making a lot of generalizations there, but for me, that doesn't seem like the purpose. Because here's for me. This I'm going to give you my, my reason why I think that we were created. This is this is uh, something I've been working on for a while. But I think the reason why we were created is because the Trinity 
wanted to let inside the Trinitarian relationship something other than God to engage in that level of relationship. And we are invited in through Christ to become a part, to be co-heirs with Him. So I think Scripture can bear that out a little bit, but it's just, it's this, here's the greatest story ever, ever done. I'm going to create, so I look at, uh, I call it the Lego theory. The first, the first thing I want to do when I, I create Legos is, you know, when I'm a kid, I'm playing with Legos, right? You're, can I just give him consciousness? Can I just give him life and let him enjoy the world I've created for him? Let him enjoy it. Have you seen the Lego movie? Yeah, I have. Okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's exactly to give him life. The second thing I want to do is I want to go down in that Lego world that I've created and enjoy it with him. Which is what Christ did. Yeah. But the real reason why I want to do that is because I actually want to bring that thing I've given life into my reality. And if you think about every book that's ever been written, Harry Potter, you go to, to, to Warner Brothers Studios, you go to these things, what are they doing? They are taking an imagination that's, on a, that's it's in a book, they're taking those characters and they're actually bringing them into the reality. I think that's an echo of the purpose of our existence from God, that, he, that his desire is to bring us into his reality. We were made lower than the angels. Down here, he came down and joined it with us so that we can actually go up and enjoy reality, his reality, and be brought up into that. Something that's not God brought into relationship with God. And just having those thoughts has opened up my mind to a whole other reason for being on earth, and it's alleviated so many stresses and problems about me being correct on a lot of stuff. And I've just been oh, this thing's way bigger than me. Like, this is way bigger than my thoughts. Oh, there's something There's something huge going on here. God's not surprised by any of this. He set this whole thing up. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, those are some of the things that, over the last five or six years, I've been thinking about that purpose of bringing us into his reality. What does that mean? What does that look like? You know what's crazy to think about? I don't think most people think about this, but... One of the reasons why I'm, I'm slightly on the open theist perspective Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> is, uh, you know, there's a, there was a change in, in, the, in the Godhead, right? We always talk about impassibility, you know, God cannot change and so forth. And yet, we do, we do speak of the Trinity as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we also believe that the Word became flesh, and then that flesh ascended to be, rejo- you know, rejoin mm-hmm. the Godhead, right? And a really rough language there in terms of rejoining. But you know, no, very few of us would would think of this idea that you know, in Christ's ascension, he got to Mars and ditched his body and went back to being spirit, right? So somewhere along the line. Humanity became part of the Trinity. Yeah. And that blows my mind. Again, you know, somewhere along the line, I think God is not impassable because he accepted some kind of change that happened. But I think it speaks to your point that God wanted something, somebody to share in his reality and not just in the superficial, like, right. like, parent-child relationship, you know, where you get to be a part of it, whatever, but 
to actually make that part of himself. You know? Because well, you see, the every, think of the authors who write stories. So Charles Dickens, he would weep any time one of his characters died because it was a part of him. Yeah. So I think our creativity and our levels of, of taking movies and books and things like that and, and bringing them into our realities and, and Broadway shows, I think that is just an echo of creation uh, that, that is one, it's incontrovertible in the sense of it's that deep desire in us to create something and bring it into ourselves. Well, even with kids, man, think about this, is that, you know, you're a parent, I'm a parent, you know, there is this tendency to continually want to make your kids in your image, right? Right. They want to share the same, you want them to share the same interests, you want them to read the same books, you want them to enjoy the same movies, to enjoy the same sports, all of that. And yet, there is that flip side of that where you have to realize to be a good parent, you need to allow freedom for kids to like make their own decisions and yet you know you hope that all of the good parts of you do mm-hmm. manage to get pushed on right yeah whether you enjoy literature and you enjoy this movie and you enjoy this sport those kind of things are different things but the the true the true moral aspects the true character aspects of humility of love of yeah. self-giving all of those things are things that you above everything else you want your children to embody and so you try and rear your children to be that in their character whether or not they play guitar just like you or not <laughs> right you know and I think that that is the parenting aspect of God that gets conveyed down to us yeah is that you know whether or not we're interested in carpentry like Jesus was or you know this kind of stuff that we embody the same character the same you know the same the same life that yeah. that God has in Himself, the, the true essence of God's personhood. Hmm. That's just encouraged me as a parent, you know, yeah. just to think about that. But I think it all fits in with that, like a question of life and purpose and meaning and everything like that, is to share, like you're saying, in God's reality, you know, by, by being a part of Him. Very literally. Yeah, actually literally being a part of, of God. And saying that, that humanity became a part of the Trinity when Christ, because he's the firstborn among many brethren, he's the firstborn from the dead that goes and we're co-heirs with, with him. Which, yeah, that, that really speaks to the impassibility. Now, we, we may have to give you a pass today on your open theism because uh, <laughs> I think we're coming to the end of... Uh, end of this but we we need to sp- I said slight open I'm not, <laughs> I'm not fully there you know, I, I was there yet. and then I came back a little bit but yeah. but I'm definitely not on the on the other side of that uh, I so I, I, re- I did an essay on uh, does God know the future uh, for Oxford and I ended the essay and my professor said either you're a genius or you're kind of lazy <laughs> in, a, in a way and uh, I said, God knows what he needs to know when he needs to know it. <laughs> and I ended with that. And he's like, that's either brilliant or it's a cop-out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, in, in wrestling with those things, we'll, we'll have to have a conversation one day on, uh, on foreknowledge. And cool. because Especially since C.S. Lewis was an open theist. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think that 
Yeah, I think that it's, it, it brings up great questions, and it's okay to wrestle with it and not get frustrated and, 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 uh, and freak out every time we get close to the edge. Uh, it's like, oh, we're getting close to the edge. Um, there's nowhere to go. We're, uh, we're all in God. We have about two minutes here left on this. Uh, Spreaker uh, recorded podcast. We're out in the cabin, and uh, the, the microphone and stuff just wouldn't work out here, so we're doing uh, a little bit of uh, a different kind of format here. But... So about two minutes left. This is this is what you want uh, in your own conversations. So those people who are listening, this is what you want to have kind of conversations like this. You want to have people who challenge you um, and people who accept and challenge your opinions and you can challenge their opinions. If someone is constantly just giving you their opinion and you feel like you have to take it, or the part of the friendship is like that. It's probably not a very good conversation. I think of Last Samurai, when uh, Ken Watatabe, his character comes out and looks at Tom Cruise and says, this was a good conversation. (laughs) And I'm thinking, wow, they were so intentional on this is a good conversation, uh, even though they don't don't agree with each other. Uh, I'll kind of end with my thought with this. So... uh, uh, what does uh, Jordan Peterson says that most people don't know how to think. Most people don't know how to think. He said thinking is not having a thought. It's not having a thought and following a train of thought. That's not thinking. Thinking is having a thought and immediately beginning to challenge whether that thought has validity or not in your own inner dialogue going, well, okay, this, but wait, what about this? But then this person says this, and that inter, that inter wrestling, that's actually called thinking. The other things just call it just called following a, a, a trail of thoughts, and they're very very different. And one actually takes much more energy and humility to actually begin to wrestle and go, "Am I right? I don't, yeah. I don't know. I don't know." All right, it's been a good conversation, man. Yep. I mean, we we just rabbit trailed the whole thing, but I do think we we found a couple themes that have been really good. I think so. This is going to be some. Uh, this is going to lead to more more rabbit trails. Uh, this is rabbit trails with the inklings in the rabbit room. That's what they call the rabbit room. So we're 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 still in there. Anyway, this has been Jack and Baron, and we'll see you guys later. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.